up, you guys? And welcome back to another episode of Illuminati, the podcast where we drink beer and talk about conspiracy theories. My name is John. And this is Jake. And welcome back. And this is part two of our QAnon two-parter series where last time we talked about the history of QAnon and where it came from and why it's so anti-Semitic and all of this stuff. And this time we're talking about the mental health side effects of what happens if you smoke weed. And I mean, become a (laughs) QAnoner. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. Brought it home. Landed that plane. Right. But yeah, I mean, so apparently there are some very real mental health side effects of believing shit like this and running down weird QAnon rabbit holes for years and years at a time. So yeah, I guess we're going to talk about that. We are. Do you have another little like statement? I do. Okay, let's let's hear it. it. All right. So as we all know, cults are a very serious thing, but there's a whole industry around educating people about cults and freeing them from their grasps. But is QAnon actually a cult? Does it have the same telltale signs? Does it really even matter if QAnon can be classified as a cult if it is taking similar mental health tolls on the followers? Today, we talk about the risks of falling into any kind of extremism on any end of the spectrum of politics, religion, or even sports. But first, let's talk about beer. Yeah. <laughs> your, your favorite part. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm ready. It is my favorite part. The drinking is always my favorite part. Well, that's not true. I like the conspiracies too. That's, you know, why we're here. But you want to start? You want me to start? I started last time. Oh, okay. I'll, uh, I'll jump in. Yeah, so, you start this time. All right. So today I am sampling a, uh, a very kind of odd beer called Darwin's Forehead. Uh, <laughs> which if you look at the can, it has a little bit of a like Night of the Living Dead zombie feel. Yeah, like except it's an old guy. Yeah, it's an old dude. It's creeping I, me out a little I bit. think it's supposed to be Darwin. That's what I, I find it guess. creepier than the zombie head from Night of the Living Dead. Is that what that one is? Night I believe so, Dead, yeah. It's a, I think it was yeah. Bub, the zombie that they named. This is a salted brown porter. Brown. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of tastes brown. It's just, yeah. It's, What's it uh, taste like? Well. Brown. Brown. <laughs> Usually... <laughs> Usually so like brown porters and things like that have a bit of a they're a bit nutty. They got a little bit of a okay. little bit of nut in there. Um this <laughs> doesn't really have that. It doesn't really taste salted or brown. Yeah. It kind of tastes like and I mean it makes sense because it's a porter. It just kind of tastes like a flat porter. There's not a lot of salt there. Okay. There's not a lot of kind of brown ale feeling in there. Okay. It just kind of tastes like a like a standard porter. Like there's not much to it. See, that's kind of how I feel about porters in general. Yeah. I'm always just like, there's just not not much to this beer, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of like if black construction paper was a soda. This is what that tastes like. What? <laughs> My brain is trying to wrap itself around what that means. It's what? like <laughs> it's like the feeling of construction paper in on your, your hands. Yeah. If you put that into your mouth, that's what this tastes like. That's kind of what this tastes like. Wow. Can you can you pick up what I'm putting down? No. <laughs> I do not know what you're saying. It's, <laughs> it's kind of arts and craftsy. Like there's this kind of like Play-Doh construction paper kind of mouth. It feel tastes to- like the art room with the weird lady with this weird sweater. Yeah. And like that. 
that paint that easily washes off in water but has a water based feel paint. to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Water based paint. <laughs> the stuff that's kind of chalky. Yeah. Once it dries, it like, yeah, it feels weird. It's, it's like, like how you remember when you're in art class and they used to have like just the primary colors paint. Yes. And they would open it and it just smelled like elementary school primary yes. colors. This paint is that smell. Feeling. It's like that. Another way to describe it would be if. Have you ever been in a Jetta? have you ever hated the car you're driving it Um, smells like crayons i don't know yeah no this would be like if you took all of the essence of chocolate out of yoohoo i (laughs) your descriptions are bottling my mind yeah i don't know i'm having a hard time i don't know i don't like it i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna sit over here and drink it but i'm not i'm not a huge fan you're not i won't get another one okay it's uh it's just kind of flat and weird. I, I've had some really good stuff from Fanta Flora before. Yeah, um, they've they're in they're in Nebo, which as we have found is is a little difficult to pinpoint on a map. Yeah, it's very confusing. Yeah, I'm not sure where these guys are actually coming from, which makes the uh, the description even more fitting, I guess. Yeah. So in our research, we figured out that they have a brewery in Charlotte, but then they have a tasting room. And brewery or tap room or something like that in Morganton. Yeah. But then it says they're in Nebo, which I know Nebo as being a little tiny bumfuck town northwest of Winston-Salem. Right. But the Google says (laughs) it's right off of Lake James, which is outside of Morganton somewhere. And that's exactly how this beer tastes. It's just very confusing. <laughs> I'm like, where are you from? <laughs> and if you don't know where you're from, damn it, how do you not know what you taste like? Yeah. You know, so it's, yeah, it's their beer tastes like wherever they're from. It, you don't know what it is. Like you can't find their location. I'm just confused. I'm just confused and I don't <laughs> know what it is. <laughs> All right. All right. I can get behind that. All right. Well, I am back with another beer from Highland which is not super normal for me. I'm not a big fan of Highland and I I can kind of say that up front like and I guess I kind of set them up to fail last episode because <laughs> I'm already not a big fan of Sessions and I'm also not a big fan of Highland. I've just never really had anything that I've been like this is great. Right. You know, from them. I feel like there's a lot of people who really love their Gaelic ale, yes. which is one of two of the beers that are their year rounds. Right. And everything else they do, I think, is fairly seasonal. And then the other beer that they have that there's that's their year round is the AVL or Asheville yeah. um, IPA. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know of that beer. I can't recall if I've ever drank it or not i guess that's about how i've had it and i barely recall if i had it yeah about how memorable it is and so i i just don't typically drink highland because i don't know i've just never really they've never really spoke to me i feel about highland i feel like we're being very negative with the beers tonight but i'm sorry i mean it happens you know it's i feel like highland just is never really trying that hard they don't try hard with their labels yeah. they don't try hard to show you where they're on well, that's not them, but that's Fanta Flora not showing where you're yeah. at in the map. But like, but yeah, I just feel like they're not trying very hard. Like, 
like their Asheville IPA. It's like a citrus IPA. What is where are there orange trees in Asheville? Where's the limes in Asheville? Why is I there a citrus IPA for Asheville? I don't know. Yeah, and like because Gaelic? they're in Asheville, I guess so. But like, you know, Gaelic, like, is it is it Asheville a big Scottish town? I don't know. Well, they're called Highland. Yeah, I guess that's kind of Scottish. like the Highlands. Okay, yeah. I guess. I mean, what, are they wearing kilts though? Are they out there in kilts? Maybe they probably. I mean, are. I've never been to their brewery, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but so anyway, I am back again with another Highland Brewing beer, and this time I have their Rising Haze. IPA, which is a freshly unfiltered IPA, 7% ABV. The can looks exactly like most of their other cans that are not their special edition seasonal type stuff, which if you've never seen a Highland Brewing can, it's basically looks like what the Blue Ridge Mountains would look like if you were standing on top of a mountain, but everything is different colors. (laughs) <laughs> so this one's orange on the top, green on the bottom, and a blend of different kinds of yellows and oranges in the middle. Right? It's it's like nothing yeah. that special. All their beers are this exact same thing, except they've got different colors. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like they're not trying very hard. Like yeah. they have they have their Photoshop template, and then they're like, "Ooh, let's do a citrus IPA." Oh, we'll make the clouds orange. Yeah, and then they say, <laughs> like, "Oh, let's do a porter." Okay, we'll make the clouds brown. Yeah, you know, it's like, like I think they have a cool. um, a black stout, and yeah. it's black on bottom with dark gray on top, and right. a bunch of medium grays in the middle. Yeah, and it's supposed to be super mocha mocha y, and it's yeah. not. It's just it's just like a regular black stout. Yeah, so. What they say this beer is, is naturally hazy, which I'm not sure what that means. How is a beer naturally hazy? Is that a thing? I don't know. I thought they have to like make it hazy somehow. I don't know. I don't know the science between making it hazy. I don't know. Uh, But it says naturally hazy with vibrant and juicy notes of citrus, pineapple, and apricots. And I have to say the apricots caught me off guard. Yeah. Yes. Because when I first <laughs> took my very first sip of this beer, I looked at Jake and I was like, what was that weird <laughs> flavor? Yeah. And then I read this description. I was like, it's apricots. Does it, does it feel metally? No, no. Okay. I wouldn't say it's metally. It just has this kind of weird flavor to it. Like, I don't feel like it has a very hazy ishness to it. Right. Kind of, sure, but not really. I don't find it very that citrusy. I'm not picking up a lot of pineapple. I I probably would say I'm picking up acid more than I'm picking up pineapple. Right. And the apricot doesn't taste like apricots. It tastes like this weird afternote of a weird flavor that kind of tastes sort of like apricot. It's like a suggestion of apricot? Yeah, but not like a LaCroix level apricot. Right. If LaCroix had an apricot. It's, it's like, like when you play the game telephone and somebody tells you apricot, but then you turn and tell somebody else apricot and you lose the meaning of apricot along the way. Yes. Okay. It's like if you had to write the word apricot on somebody's back. Right. And then five steps later, it was not the word apricot, but you still tasted sure something like apricot. That's like what this kind of tastes like. It's it's very weird. It's like when the start of the human centipede gets an apricot, this can's at the back. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I did a podcast once where we did an entire series about 
that those movies. Really? Yeah. We watched B and C horror movies on Netflix and then talk shit Amazing. about them for an hour. I've only seen the first one. And I yeah, we watched all three. Wow. We did them all in a series. We did. We released them back to back. It's awesome. Uh, Human Centipede, Human Centipede 2, and Human Centipede 3 all in a row. I need to watch the movies and listen to that. I awesome. They're nowhere now. Oh, they're gone. But yeah, they don't exist anymore. Up in the other. Yeah, Sad. I deleted the original copies from my computer and they're not in internet land anymore. Let me so. pour out some of this horrible brown border. <laughs> not on my floor. <laughs> so to keep sum that it up, in, keep that in the can. <laughs> to sum it up, much like the flavor uh, is much like the can. They're just not trying very hard. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. Yeah. But I mean, I'm definitely not over here like, mmm, this is good. I want another one. I'm just kind of very underwhelmed by it. And the apricot flavor is very off putting to me. I feel like when you're in the same city as like Wicked Weed and Burial, you need to step your shit up a couple of notches. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can't just fall back on like wearing a kilt and think it's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's so many breweries up in that area that really, really bring the heat. Oh, I mean, Barrel's out there like naming beers. The God of Thunder descended and smacked you in the face. High PA. Yeah. I mean, they have beers called like Shadow Clock. And, yeah. And, you know, the I don't even know. They yeah. come up with the goofiest ass names. Yeah. But they're they're still kind of awesome. These guys are like. Your beers are wh- sick though. Yeah. They're and, so good. And these dudes are like, oh, what what is that one? Oh, it's a it's a stout. Okay. Let's call it stout. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are we going to do for the can? Uh, just change the gradient over to black. We'll be good. Okay, cool. Let's go ahead and put this out. It's, it's good. Like, Ship it. Yeah, it's like if you've ever used anything from Microsoft where you have to do art <laughs> in it and it gives you those like color template yeah. like suggestions <laughs> and you like pop that thing down and then you just scroll down and it's like, let me go uh, to gray gradient number 48. <laughs> and that's what they clicked. That's what that can would have been. And this is like the gray gray gradient with green highlight number 102. They clicked that and that's how they got this can. I feel bad. There's (laughs) there's probably some dude that works at Highland and he's like our only podcast listener. He works so hard on this can. (laughs) He's like all I have is like Windows 95 and they told me I have to design all the labels. (laughs) He's like I thought you guys were cool man. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. We're we're really not trying to talk shit about Highland. I mean, they're a successful brewery because people like their beer. Yeah. Maybe I'm too bougie. Maybe I've just drank too much juiciness. I don't know. I don't know. People love vanilla ice cream. You know? Well, I love vanilla ice cream. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> no, I just mean like... <laughs> what? <laughs> like there's like popular normal stuff people love. Like Bud Light is one of the most popular beers. I mean, because people love Bud Light. Yeah, I mean, Anheuser Busch pours out more beer into their shop floor to rinse it down the oh my god drain yeah. than yeah. most craft brews making in a whole Absolutely. year. Absolutely. You know, we talk about like Bond Brothers. Everybody loves Bond Brothers. They love going to sit on the patio. Yeah, I just know? don't understand that one. Yeah, you know, people people like things for certain reasons that doesn't one hundred percent mean their quality. That's one hundred percent true. Yeah. Yeah. Not I mean, that there's lots of, not quality. I mean, yeah, it's okay. I mean, maybe my taste buds just don't like this beer. Or maybe they need to put a little bit more effort into it. Maybe. <laughs> Take the apricot out, put yeah. in some orange, make it 7.5%, and make this a tall boy that's 250. I'll be sold. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think we trashed 
enough breweries out in the west of North Carolina enough for the day. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about well, let's trash QAnon health. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so QAnon belief systems basically look something like this. Q is an intelligence or military insider with proof that corrupt world leaders, almost exclusively Democrats, are secretly raping and eating children all over the world. And all these bad dudes are part of the deep state and Donald Trump is working tirelessly to arrest and execute them all now that he can operate outside of the law because Trump is still secretly president and will destroy the global cabal any minute now. This can only be accomplished with the support of true patriots who dig through all of Trump's former tweets now that he's banned and the post by Q to find the capital T truth of these messages. To believe Q requires rejecting mainstream institutions, ignoring government officials, battling apostates, and despising the press above all. One of Q's favorite rallying cries is, you are the news now. Another is, enjoy the show, a phrase that his disciples regard as a reference to the coming apocalypse. When the world as we know it comes to an end and they get to happily watch it burn to the ground. So basically everything's going to burn to the ground and they're going to sit back and clap and laugh and watch as it all happens, thinking that they have special insider information and a secret knowledge of what's happening behind the scenes because Q is telling them that. Right. He's the godfather. Right. Essentially. Yeah. And their belief system is wrapped entirely in this gaining of secret knowledge, you know, which you can trace that back to a lot of different things, but they, they certainly believe that because they have this feeling, everybody else is suckers. And what they really want is at the end of the day, when at the end of the day, when everything starts falling apart, they want to be able to sit back and answer, answer everybody's questions of why that's happening. Yeah. But they don't want to rely on declassified military documentation, CIA documentation (laughs) or FBI documentation. They want to go off of what this, random internet person right. Hugh says who's allegedly some sort of military insider that's telling them and they just believe it. Right. Exactly. I mean, the very first Q drop said that Hillary Clinton was going to be arrested the next day and she wasn't. We could only hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too bad that one wasn't true. I mean, the first couple were Hillary's going to be arrested. Podesta is going to be arrested. Huma Abedin, who was her assistant, will be arrested. And nobody stopped and asked why that didn't happen. They just built a trope around it that said, oh, well, they were arrested. They just now have to play by different rules. You know, they exchanged. They confessed to all their crimes so that they could stay alive. And then they what? Just made everybody believe that they never were arrested? Right. They got arrested in the middle of the night and were magically released by the morning right. time like nothing happened. And then they spent the next like four years on Twitter trashing Donald Trump after getting arrested by Donald Trump. Sure. Yeah. A consistent fantasy of Q extremists is the night of the rope, which this is a story featured in a really crazy racist book called the Turner Diaries where a group of quote-unquote true patriots rise up and overthrow all of their big enemies that include academia, journalists, and basically anyone who isn't considered a white patriot American. And yeah, that includes all of the minorities in the country. Uh, It's called the Night of the Rope because all of the above are lynched in the streets, hung from 
light posts and everyone in the book that are the main characters rejoice while society quote unquote wakes up and realizes what was wrong all along. And so don't we've mentioned this book once or twice before. Don't go out and buy it. You can get it on internet archive.org for free. If you do decide this is something you need to read, but in the book, they break this down and essentially say a lot of the same stuff that Q was saying. And this book was one of the ones that Timothy McVeigh, the guy who blew up the Oklahoma city building, this was one of the books that he constantly said that he looked up to and read when he was younger. And it was his kind of planning documents. One of the things he thought was that by blowing up this building, that people would go out and start doing this stuff. He was hoping to enact this sort of night of the rope. Yeah. So people who have taken Q to heart like to say that they've been paying attention from the very beginning in very much the way that hipsters talk about discovering bands before anyone else knows who they are. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So a promise of foreknowledge is a large part of Q's appeal, as is the feeling of being part of a secret community, which is reinforced through the use of acronyms and ritual phrases such as nothing can stop what is coming, trust the plan, and uh, one of the biggest favorite ones that was a trending hashtag a couple times is the acronym WWG one WGA, which stands for where we go one, we go all, which is a saying from a completely garbage movie called white squall where a bunch of people wreck boats. Uh, Oh yeah. I saw that movie. Yeah. For some reason they latched onto that. That's so weird. It's very weird. What a random movie to grab onto. Yeah, so they latch onto that, and in an even weirder thing, if you just Google WWG1WGA and hit image search, you'll see a crap ton of people sporting this as a tattoo. I mean, just endless good old boys sitting on the bed of their Ford Ranger with this tattooed across their forearm. I mean, lots of them. That sounds amazing. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with Ford Rangers either. I feel like I need to go find these and submit them to <laughs> sucky tattoos. That's the best yeah. Instagram account that I follow probably other than uh, fuck it. I'm a robot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> those um, are amazing. Yeah. Sucky tattoos is the best. Yeah. I, I secretly love to judge people for their bad tattoos. I think everybody does because it's a, it gives you a sense of superiority. Yeah. Well, I like to think that I have very nice tattoos. So when I see people with bad tattoos, I'm like, yeah. you're trash. I have absolute garbage tattoos. So I, <laughs> so I like, but I like you. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, I'm really open to people. Whatever they want tattooed on them is fine because I made horrible tattoo choices when I was younger. Well, I always hate it when people want to talk to me about their tattoos or they like touch me. Oh yeah. I don't public like anybody touches me. Yeah. I always tell whenever tattoos start coming up conversation, my response is always don't get them. Don't do it. Ignore it. Walk away. Think about it for years before you want to make a decision on it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I feel like I made pretty good tattoo decisions. I made horrible tattoo decisions. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Anyway. So what you're saying is you're not going to get Q tattooed on your forehead. Definitely not. Or not whatever that acronym is because that's too long for you to remember. (laughs) Um, uh, Speaking of horrible decisions, the uh, so Q followers are overwhelmingly older, even though when you see at Trump rallies and you see at, um, you know, in news articles, usually they'll show like a 20 something guy 
who's kind of rednecky and he'll be kind of the epitome of Q follower. The reality is they're overwhelmingly older, usually 55 plus Republicans who claim to not be Republicans and instead say they used to be Democrats and quote unquote walked away from the movement. There's this movement where they, they talk about being something that they're not. They used to be Democrats. They used to be involved in this. They used to be involved with that, but just the statistics and the data of it shows overwhelmingly. They're just old white guys who have always been in the same state of mind and they like to say that they're not makes sense. Yeah. And so they feel like this inside knowledge gives them an edge over their family and friends who are not in on the plan and who are still asleep and are sheep, you know, and, and calling people sheep goes all the way back to, to Bill Cooper in the eighties and nineties where yeah, South park. Yeah. Yeah. You're not people. You're sheeple. <laughs> <laughs> That's my best George W. Bush impression right now. I'd have to hear his voice. I could do it better. I, I'm no. <laughs> but the yeah the the calling people sheep directly from Bill Cooper, who was this huge. He's like the godfather of conspiracy theories from back in the day. You know, he wrote a book called uh, "Behold a Pale Horse," which is yeah kind of like the grand grimoire of uh, conspiracy theories. Um, so you know. They believe that the special knowledge gives them a sense of pride when they just don't have any control in their lives. And it's a pretty similar reason to why people join the clan or wear Crocs. They just have no control of their own personal lives. Okay. <laughs> I was going to question the Crocs thing. I was like, what? Are Aren't you, you wearing Crocs? About? No. Birkenstocks. Oh. Birkenstocks. They're much more expensive. Oh, okay. They're my house shoes. I threw that in at the end because I thought you were wearing Crocs. Oh no, sorry. <laughs> I only just got these. I just caught them out of the corner of my eye earlier. Yeah, sorry. All right, so <laughs> let's dig into why people believe conspiracy theories. People mostly believe that they'll benefit from the conspiracy theory overall. And a 2017 research review from the National Institute of Health found that people who become involved with conspiracy theories tend to believe that they will benefit uh, either socially or existentially from them. For example, someone may strongly prefer that a certain political candidate wins an election because they think that that person will keep them physically or financially safe. Other people may not want to believe that climate change is real because maybe they work or invest in, I don't know, the coal industry. Yeah. Sure. They want to believe in their cause and fight for their cause even if their rational mind tells them it's not something they believe in, says uh, Carla Marie Manley, PhD. She's a clinical psychologist who specializes in fear media and the psychological impact of issues such as conspiracy theories on the psyche, which that sounds like a really stressful job to just kind of sum all that up. Yeah. I, I hope we never talk to her because I don't know <laughs> what she thinks about us. <laughs> I, I could have a guess. Uh, so she says, sometimes people get behind a theory because they agree with the underlying cause of it. They may also find a social connection with like-minded people, which feels like another huge benefit to them. This is sometimes referred to as quote unquote in group versus quote unquote out group differences. People have a tendency to identify with ideas held by those that they see as similar to themselves. So obviously, you know, I don't know. You and I both drive cars, so we're car guys, you know, whatever. Yeah. We both have tattoos. We're tattoo guys. We're tattoo guys. Yeah. We're beard guys. Yeah, we're be we're beer guys. Too. We're white guys. Yeah, exactly. So basic tribal mentality. People feel safe when they become part of a group. They don't feel alone and feel like they're part of a greater cause. Look at gangs, frats, churches, motorcycle clubs. But both of these things have a good and bad side to be sure. 
For some, it's a pride thing. They'll stay 100% convinced of their beliefs because they can't accept that they're wrong. If you look at the end of the uh, Netflix Flat Earth film that came out two years ago now, I believe, at the end, the two big guys who are huge parts of the Flat Earth community basically admit that they were wrong, but they said that they have too much involved in the entire thing to say anything publicly about it. Isn't that a thing? There's like a word for that where when you feel like you have a certain amount of time, energy, money Clout, invested yeah. into something, uh, you feel like you can't get back out of it. It's the same yeah. reason that people don't get out of bad relationships or they don't get rid of uh, cars that are money pits or whatever. Yeah. They feel like they have so much invested in it, they can't get back out. Yeah, like multi-level marketing schemes. You know, you start buying in, you feel like one day it'll be a success. Yeah. Yeah, very much. I'm, I'm blanking on the term. And it's, yes, it is very much that way. You know, the guy in the the Flat Earth documentary on Netflix, he essentially at the end was saying that he has to stay involved in the Flat Earth community because it's where all of his friendships are. It's where all of his involvements are. His entire life is wrapped up in that. So if he suddenly he, says... He should join a club. Right, like any a club. hobby or like something. Like literally any club. Like Go build airplane models or something. Buy a Miata. Yeah, like nobody cares. I don't know. Let's go do something. That's a cheap thing you can do. That is very cheap. It's <laughs> quite cheap. And uh, yeah, you go get involved in something else. But instead, he's no. His entire family, everything is there. So if he leaves, he loses all of that. So it turns into a thing where he's in over his head, you know? Yeah. And it's the same here. I mean, when you have a group of people who are turning on their families, turning on their friends basically telling all of their family, friends, and relationships that they don't believe in something that they think to be ultimately overall true. And because they don't believe in it, then they can't be part of their lives anymore. And now this goes down the road from 2017 to 2018 to 2019. And now three, four years have passed and they're looking at their laptop and there's been no arrests. There's been no Hillary Trump being dragged off to Gitmo and they can't go back to their family because two years ago they told their family that they were sheeple, you know? Right. So it's, I mean, it's really, really debilitating to mental health in that aspect is that you wind up in a very lonely cocoon with only the people on 4chan to talk to, you know? Yeah. And it happens with teenage boys too and teenage girls and like all these people who were, they have their relationships in an online forum and this is directly related to that. You know, QAnon followers are in the same, they're kind of in the same boat as these kids who live entire social media existences because everyone they know and everyone who's kind of rooting for them and has their back and loves them is in a forum somewhere. Right. Or is on the other side of a laptop or whatever. I mean, that leads to one of the biggest things is that they just, they want to feel smart about this. They want to feel like they're smarter than someone else. And having insider information is one of the easiest ways to make you feel special. That same 2017 study we were just talking about showed that conspiracy theorists felt unique because they had info that no one else had. It's a desire to feel superior of others around you. And think about the picture here. You have a 70-year-old dude who's lived through all this stuff, and now things are different. They're changing quickly. But he knows the quote-unquote capital T truth that there are people working behind the scenes to quote unquote set things right and make it like it's the fifties again. 
he wants it to be like the heyday of when everything was great. And he thinks that Trump and, you know, the Patriots are out there putting things back to the way they were. And him knowing that makes him feel good about himself. Yeah. Even if it's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah. And it's almost impossible to provide them with any sort of research or facts that don't agree with the ones that they hold to be true for themselves. They'll feel like you're trying to outsmart them and clearly they know better. You know, look at all this trouble that pesky facts got them into in the first place. You know, science, you always get these people who quote their, you know, science was never right. Look at eggs used to be bad for you and now they're good for you. And, you know, they use that as an example of why science is wrong because people change their minds. Scientists, science changes. Well, I mean, milk stouts used to be good for the mommy's boobies and now they're not. So Right, exactly. I mean, that's proof enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Bird science down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As I was saying, social media has been a massive factor in the spread of QAnon and conspiracy theories. It's also put everyone on equal playing ground and gives you a space to correct them publicly, which is very, very tempting. It is very tempting to jump in and tell someone you're a moron and I know better than you. But on the flip side of it, that's exactly what they're doing too. You know? Right. But the reality is when you come at it and you go to correct someone, what are you really getting out of it? As I mean, as you as a human being, either right now, the people you're trying to correct are going to think that you're working against them or that you're just an idiot. A reoccurring theme in Q forums is that if you don't buy into what they're saying and selling to you, that you have to work for the cabal and be part of the deep state. Like I was saying in the first episode, I used to go in and ship post a lot in early Reddit QAnon forums. Yeah. Just to kind of see, I mean, to be honest, I was confused about what they thought and I was trying to figure this stuff out. And so I would go in and at first I just started asking questions. What are you guys talking about? What is all this? And the minute you start doing that, they just tell you, you work for the deep state and you can't have a conversation. So you have to kind of create a persona to go in and have a conversation with these people to find out what they're thinking because otherwise you're going to, I don't know, tell the FBI on them or something. So there's this paranoia around who you are, why you're there, and whether or not you buy fully into their belief system. And if you don't buy fully into the belief system, obviously you're against them. Right. But regardless of how close you are with anyone that's involved, the experts who deal with things like cults and and talking to QAnon people and deal with everything from pro-anorexia forums all the way through to uh, like Nexium and all that stuff, the experts suggest going into the conversation knowing that you're not going to change anyone's mind is hugely beneficial. Once people start going down the rabbit hole and believing things like QAnon, one of the results of that is that they develop a very hearty suspicion of information from mainstream sources. Pretty much anything that goes against their belief is dismissed instantly as fake news. Obviously, look at Trump's press conferences where he would ask the name of the media outlet before even hearing a question. He would say something like, oh, who are you with? They would say CNN, and he would call them fake news and move on without asking a question or just roll his eyes at their questions. Going into a conversation with very low expectations helps your own mental health in this entire process. You could think, I will answer their question, but I know I probably won't change their mind. But sometimes you have to just cut them off too. And that is where a lot of QAnon extremists find themselves today after the entire 
Trump presidency has worked its way through and they're moving forward with the rest of their lives. In the earliest days of QAnon, followers were encouraged to share memes and try to red pill everyone they knew by Q and Q influencers, but it backfired very hard. Most new Q followers just start blasting their personal social media followers with Q memes about Hillary Clinton living on a diet of baby faces and pituitary glands. And regular folks who really just have no clue what the hell is going on are obviously taken a little bit aback by this person's new mental direction. Right. You know, it, it can be very shocking to suddenly scroll down Facebook and Uncle Bob is now talking about, you know, Bill Clinton eating people. And, yeah, you know, without any kind of historical examination of where that comes from, it's shocking. Yeah. And so obviously the temptation is there to reach out and tell them that they're idiots. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just Facebook doom scroll gore porn. Absolutely. Like, and, and when you come at it from that perspective, like what are you expecting to achieve by posting this stuff to your, you know, where your mom's going to see it and your grandma and your sweet aunt yeah. Betty, you know right. what I mean? Like if you're expecting to change their mind, you're not, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and yeah. plus, even if you were, this is just so far out there. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, this would be like me going on and being like, you know that movie, The Matrix? <laughs> that shit is real. Right. Which people know what The Matrix is, so they would be like, no, it's not. Right. But imagine, you know, nobody had ever seen the movie, The Matrix. And I was like, we're living in a simulation. Right. You know, people are going to be like, no. Yeah. You know? But if you start them off easy with something like <laughs> perception theory. Right. You know, I don't know. No, no, I, I, mean, I absolutely get where you're going from. And... It's really funny because in the early days building up to all of this, a lot of the QAnon influencers were out there telling people every single day, you have to red pill everyone on your social media list. You have to be out there. You have to be sharing memes. And even the Q drops himself, himself was posting that memes were the most powerful thing on the planet because it sums up all of the knowledge in one little image and people see it and it gets into their subconscious. And so they're saying all these different kind of advice on how you should build memes and share them. And they even formed uh, entire forums where they would post their memes and people would pick and choose what they wanted to share. And they encouraged them to blast sweet aunt Betty and uncle Bob and all these things. And at the end of the day, they did. I mean, they just flooded Facebook with with memes, you know, yeah, an insane amount of them, yeah, and, and like if you're anybody who curates your social media, right, that's easy. Unfollow, oh block, yeah, friend, yeah. like you can just be like, oh well, that person's a psycho. Bye, right, right, <laughs> and then you text, you know, Uncle Joe, and be like, hey, what happened to Aunt Betty? You know, like what, what's <laughs> yeah. going on over there? Did she unfriend me? Yeah, you know, it's. It's wild. It, it's so they encourage people to share all that stuff. And the people who weren't sucked in by that kind of early sharing, there was a movement later in QAnon where they started really looking at how they were recruiting people. And they decided that the whole um, sucking out babies' pituitary glands and drinking their blood and stuff was a little too hardcore. Yeah. And so they found kind of a new technique to get into people's brains. And it's, it's almost very much like viruses where they went lighter core. Yeah. Where <laughs> like a virus will, will hit up a bunch of people realize that it needs to 
kind of adjust its protein spikes and then now it can infect more people. And that's what QAnon essentially did was so they kind of came up with this hashtag that was save the children or save the kids depending on where you looked and they started a movement called freedom for the children and this overwhelmingly brought in yoga moms, health food nuts and all kinds of these other people who really never saw QAnon as something to be interested in. Right. And now we're seeing it as this anti-pedophile thing and also this like anti-establishment thing. And they were glomming onto it. Yeah. And so QAnon influencers saw this happen right away and they shifted away from the, you know, eating pituitary glands and doubled down on this stuff. And they started holding official save the children marches all over the u.s i mean they were holding these in beverly hills and getting huge turnout from these liberal moms in beverly hills who were coming out holding up QAnon signs you know at the end of the day who's not for saving children are you anti-child right and i feel like that <laughs> would be their argument too, it is 100%. where it's like where they're one of those people it's like uh you're for cancer. Right. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you know, if, if, <laughs> like if you don't jump on their train, then yeah. you're for the opposite thing. And, 100%. And that's not really how life works. Right. You know, if somebody from PETA comes up to you and you don't want to give them money, oh, you hate puppies? Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, must yeah, hate yeah. puppies. It's like, I have three dogs. Back off. Uh, like, oh, you, you must kill kitties. Right. Exactly. You murder kitties, don't you? Yeah. No, no, I don't. I'm just, <laughs> I just, I don't like you. You're weird. <laughs> right. And I mean, it worked. It overwhelmingly worked. And they dragged in thousands and thousands of new followers using this technique. And tons of spiritual folks and churchgoers joined the ranks of QAnon in droves. And from there, it was kind of a slow burn because you get this initial, okay, so I'm here to not kill kids. I'm into that. I'm into saving kids. Sure. And then they kind of introduce you a little bit to the rest of the philosophy. Like, well, listen, yeah, I know you're anti-killing kids, but what about anti-child trafficking? You're like, oh, well, I, I totally, I don't support child trafficking. Well, what about the Democrats? And it's just, it's another step. And people start getting involved and they're one or two steps inside of it already. Yeah. And they have too much to lose at that point. You know, they've already been to marches. They've already been out there. Yeah. It's like that theory where the foot into the the foot in the door theory right where it's like if anybody ever comes to your house and is like hey would you be willing to let us put this uh political sign on your door and it's a little like index card size thing and you're like yeah i mean all right you know i support that guy that's fine and then they come back later and they're like hey you know you let us put the <laughs> sign on your door would you be willing to let us put the sign in your yard and it's the little sign Right. And then they come back later and they're like, well, you have the door sign and the little <laughs> sign. Can we do the medium sign? And you're like, sure. And then they keep coming back and then eventually you have, you know, right. Uh, Hillary Clinton flags hanging, yeah. you know, flying from your house yeah. or something. You know what I mean? Like they just get you in these little tiny steps until yeah. you're in. That's a hundred percent the way to do it, you know? Yeah. And then they ask you something insane. Like, do you believe that there's a child pedo ring in the bottom of, you know, Right. That place, Comet, Ping Pong, Pizza in DC. Right. And that's where Hillary Clinton eats baby faces and does child pornography stuff. And you're like, yes, I do. But that's because they've spent two years being like, 
Right. Well, you're not against child trafficking, are you? Right. Because if you say you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and you look around and these are all your friends. These are the people you've been sitting with for years. You know, yeah. these are the people that you've been hanging out with. And yeah. well, I mean, if they're your friends, they're okay. Right. And here they all are. And wait a second. So I guess we're all doing this. And I mean, I hate bringing this into it, but like there is a connection of this is kind of how it happened with the Nazis is your friends and your family were suddenly, okay, well, I mean, if he went to the Nazi camp and and Heil Hitler and did all that stuff, I mean, that's my uncle. I mean, I guess I should too, I guess. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a slippery slope that you find yourself in. Well, you know, all of my best friends are into flat earth. If I stop being friends with them, you know, all my friends are heroin addicts. If I stop doing heroin, where are my friends going to be? Yeah. Or like if you tell your friends, well, no, I don't believe in flat right. earth. Then they may be like, oh man, that dude's fucking weird. He thinks there is around a fucking right. guy. Globalist. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like that old saying that they always use in movies and commercials and stuff. It's like, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a right. cliff? You know what I mean? And, and most people would. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to get to is, you know, most people I feel like would step back and be like, no, of course I wouldn't jump off a cliff. But when you're in that situation, your friends are like, I mean, we are going to jump off to this cliff. <laughs> and they're looking at you like, are you coming or what? Yeah. You know, chances are peer pressure, you know, you're going to go yeah. with them. You know what I mean? You're not going to be like, no, I'm not doing that. Right. Especially when everybody's already at the edge of the cliff with like ready to go. Right. And especially because getting to that cliff took 35, 100, 200, two years worth of other tiny steps to get there. Right. And then it's finally like, like, okay, we're at the cliff. We're going off the cliff. And you're like, okay, well, I've already taken, uh, you know, already burned uh, my a bus ride, <laughs> a, bo- um, a motorcycle ride. I rode a bike here. I, t- I used rollerblades. Yeah. We had to hike this hill and then there was a rope swing and then there was a rope bridge and now we're at yeah. the thing and you know what I mean? And yeah. now you're so invested. Yeah. They're looking at you like Hillary Clinton eating babies, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're like, yeah, totally. <laughs> and it's, it's the same slow burn into cults where, you know, yeah. they separate you from your family and then they absorb your finances and you're already relying on them for everything. Yeah. Well, it's you like know? tithing. Right. Uh, Catholic church used to do tithing, you know, they yeah. get you in as a kid and they make you do all the church school stuff. They put you through yeah. church high school. They make you do uh communion and then they get you with the confessionals. And then all of a sudden they go, Oh, by the way, <laughs> uh, 20%, right. <laughs> and you're yeah, like, um, it, yeah. I mean, all right. Yeah, totally. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's pieces by pieces, you know, and yeah, many well, of the, the purple drink thing. Right. What what was that cult that did the purple drink? The uh, Jonestown. Yeah. 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 I mean, they, that was, those people uh, killed themselves. A couple hundred people. Yeah. I mean, and same thing. It was a slow burn. So the people that joined up in with with Jonestown, it started with moving out to a commune, and then him absorbing all of your money, and then not being able to see your family, and then oh no, there were some problems, and now we all have to move to Panama. And so they all moved to Panama, and now they're all in the middle of nowhere together. Right. You know? It's like Waco, like, you know, we're all, we're all in this thing together. And then all of a sudden here's the FBI. Well, now we have to be all of us versus the FBI. Right. You know, and then all of a sudden the FBI burns your place to the ground, you know? Right. 
So yeah, so I mean, on that fun note, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but this is the mentality that it is happening. Yeah. It's how you yeah. find yourself in too deep. You know, I mean, I, there's probably a million times in my childhood where I was like, well, F it, I'm already here. Like if my friends are here, you know, right. might as well do this stupid thing. Right. You know? Exactly. And many of the people who joined through this whole save the kids platform just didn't know the whole story behind QAnon and where it came from and what it was saying at that point. And one of those people was this woman named Jessica Prim, the 37-year-old Illinois woman named Jessica Prim, who frequently shared QAnon conspiracy theories online, was arrested in April of uh, 2020 last year after driving to New York with a stash of a dozen knives threatening to, quote-unquote, take out Joe Biden, according to all the police reports and videos posted to her social media. Probably my favorite headline out of the whole... uh, ordeal i think it was from the uh from the post said ranting illinois stripper carrying 18 knives live streams her arrest outside of uss intrepid (laughs) that's awesome so (laughs) so there's a headline for you oh my god just before her arrest she live streamed herself driving to new york city ranting at her facebook audience and referencing conspiracy theories popular with the with the q crew in one post, she mentioned Frazzle Drip, which is the video we've mentioned a couple times. It's a fictitious video that QAnon devotees insist exists only on the dark web and reveals Hillary Clinton and her former aide, Huma Abedin, raping a child and then peeling its face off and eating it. The theory is that because stuff videos and child porn are illegal, no cops have been able to verify that the video is real because they don't want to go to jail for watching the snuff or child porn videos, which is how that works, right? I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. <laughs> so uh. <laughs> that's the whole reason why Clinton has, hasn't been arrested and has been able to go completely free for murdering a kid. They actually believe that the FBI has all of these tapes and they're not hidden. They're available for everyone, but no FBI agent wants to go to jail for watching the video. So Clinton remains free to this day. Sure. <laughs> that's some solid logic. Yeah, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? You can't just watch the tape and go to jail. Yeah. And the thing that's stupid is like when you try and say that to them, they're probably like, you must be one of them. Yeah. What? You want to watch kitty porn? Yeah. Yeah. You must be part of the cabal. Right. So anyways, that day that Prim posted Hillary Clinton and her, this is her direct post. Hillary Clinton and her assistant, Joe Biden and Tony Podesta need to be taken out in the name of Babylon. Not sure why Babylon. I can't be set free without them gone. Wake me up. And then there was about a billion exclamation marks. Police found Prim walking around the New York City docks acting crazy, saying she was there to, quote unquote, free the mole children from the USS Comfort. The mole children are supposedly these thousands of kids being held in the sewers of New York City where they are repeatedly raped by Democrats and people from the United Nations and Wall Street. Q folks believe that Trump sent the USS Comfort to New York to rescue the mole children. Prim was taken in for questioning before being released to Mount Sinai West Mental Health Department for treatment. She posted a photo of Mount Sinai paperwork at a status update reading, Help me to her social media. She was later charged with 18 counts of criminal possession of a weapon and immediately thrown under the bus by her fellow Q followers who called her a crisis actor in deep state plant to make Q devotees look completely crazy. Shocker. 
Yeah. So <laughs> it kind of puts, again, like I said last episode, this kind of puts a bookend on both ends. You know, first we have poor Edgar who drove all the way up to DC and blew a hole in Comet Ping Pong and was immediately thrown under the bus by all of his best friends and follow and people who were other like followers of Pizzagate. Right. And then now we have this poor girl who gets all worked up. And I mean, I feel like she's a little more crazy than Edgar was. I think. Yeah. I think it's safe to say that. Yeah. Uh, she kind of maybe was off her meds and, and had a really hard problem. And loaded her car full of knives and drove to New York city to save mole children and take out Joe Biden. You know, it's, it's bizarre, but the reaction was the same. Like everyone in the Q forums instantly said, Oh, she's an actor. This is fake. They're doing this to make us look crazy. Uh, if you head over to eight coon, which is what has replaced eight Chan, you can see it's been more than a hundred days since Q has posted anything and all of his quote-unquote researchers are growing strong, even stronger than they were before. There's about 100 new Jessica Prims in the making, and their only barrier to entry is figuring out how to post on Acoon, which is slightly more complicated than Facebook. This feeling that something is wrong makes up most of the message touted by people like Bill Cooper, Alex Jones, and even Donald Trump. It's very easy to convince people that there's something wrong happening in their lives. Something just isn't right. Why are things so difficult happening? Why do people act the way they do? The reason is obviously because life is complicated and messy. Things don't make sense and the rich people are actually taking advantage of poor people on a massive scale. But it doesn't mean that there's secret cabals out there conspiring to eat your pituitary gland. It just basically means that they can rip you off and make themselves even richer. And those are the people we should all be taking a magnifying glass to at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly like a lot of the conversation that's going on right now about uh, the Wall Street bets and GME stuff. Absolutely. Where they're talking about trying to arrest, or the conversation going around Reddit right now is talking about trying to arrest and pr- prosecute these, um, you know, high level people at Robinhood and the the hedge fund people right. and the government people who shut down trading and yeah. forced the price of GME down. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, they were literally conspiring against the average person. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the average person played this game and then the government and the companies and the hedge fund people and everybody, you know, did what rich people do. Right. They game the system. Right. Yeah. I mean, look at things like the Panama papers, you know, this whole big story broke by a bunch of investigative journalists where they found out that literally every rich person on the planet was conspiring together to not pay taxes or pay their fair share. And literally nothing happened. You know, there was five or six headlines. One of the journalists researching the thing was murdered and then it all just got swept under the table. Yeah. I wonder who murdered them. Right. Exactly. You know, Hillary Clinton. (laughs) (laughs) Probably got his pituitary gland. Probably. I don't know. I mean, it's, there is something wrong. There is something happening. That's bad. I mean, rich people are taking advantage of us. Right. I mean, it's not like the way a guy can take advantage of his wife or something, or like a way a person could take advantage of another person. They are actually building the system that is gaming us 100%. There's no question about that. Yeah. But I don't think we should be going down these rabbit holes. I mean, who, who am I to 
declare this, but I, I don't think we should be going down these rabbit holes where we start chasing after fake videos and fake things when there's very, very real problems we can be banging on doors and yelling about. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I absolutely agree. There's real shit happening out there. And these people are over here running down some fake bullshit. Right. And companies and rich people are going to continue taking advantage of us. There's, there's no way around that. Right. They're going to game everything from when recalls happen on our cars and kill us to how soon you have to replace your iPhone. You yeah. Know? I mean, recalls, like, I don't know if y'all know if we want to talk about recalls for two seconds. Recalls only happen when the cost of doing the recall is more expensive than the cost of going to court over killing people. Absolutely. Look at look at Ford versus Firestone in the 90s. They had they had 14 million faulty tires on the road that were literally killing people. 271 people died. Yeah. And they didn't recall these tires until enough people died. Right. They, they didn't bother. And it was it was so ridiculous the path that led to the recall was that they had to get dozens of different states involved, all these other people's states. And it really only built up steam once they realized that news was getting out. Once newspapers started talking about it and once reporters started covering the fact that like tires were shredding and making Ford Explorers flip over and kill people, as soon as that started happening, they couldn't hide it anymore. So they issued a recall and it cost, it almost cost them the companies. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, it didn't cost them the companies. It just cost them billions of dollars. Right. And 271 people's lives. But, you know, they shrugged. Ford is still out there, still selling Explorers. Firestone is still out there, still selling tires. No, there were no repercussions. The only thing that happened was now we have TPS lights in our car that go off when the weather drops five degrees. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. like, what happened? Like, what, there's no consequences. Yeah. So, like, rich people can literally kill us. But, you know, they're not licking out our pituitary glands. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's my no, two cents. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure that there are actual bad rich people out there that do do stuff like human trafficking stuff. Yeah, or Jeffrey Epstein. You know, go to another country so that they can pay somebody to bring them a prepubescent girl to do Absolutely. bad stuff. Or boys or whatever. Yeah. Like, that is not a fake thing. No, that happens. Human trafficking happens. Uh, you know, rich people paying poor people to rape kids or women or whatever. That stuff happens, right? That's Absolutely. why uh, Ashton Kutcher owns that company that runs a oh, software yeah. thing to help uh, prevent human trafficking. That's why that exists. The stuff yeah. that happens. But I don't think it's every single rich person and every single politician across right. all of the world. Like, and that they're eating babies' faces and stuff. like yeah. That just doesn't make sense. It's a distraction Over at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And, and to me, the biggest issue with stuff like QAnon is that this detracts from the fact that human trafficking does happen. Right. Right? This does not help stop human trafficking. Not at all. You know, this doesn't help stop actual children from being deducted. And the nonprofits that actually deal with stuff like that have come out and said how harmful this stuff is. Yeah. You know, they spend a good portion of their resources telling QAnon followers that they're wrong. You know? Yeah. Because their call centers get flooded with calls of people saying, oh, I know where these babies went. They went to Hillary Clinton. Right. 
And that nonprofit person has to take time out of their day to answer these questions, which creates a real problem, you know? Right. I mean, and it's sapping resources from fixing real problems. Yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a crazy thing. It is, in fact, extremely crazy. That's all I got to say. So, So, sorry (laughs) to burst your bubble on QAnon. Yeah. But, well, this doesn't just apply to QAnon, too. No, it doesn't. I, I mean, I think this applies across the board to a lot of different things like cults and and different belief systems. I mean, you you can trace this to a lot of different stuff. Sure. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for tuning in to listen to part two of our mental health of cults, where we really use QAnon to kind of explain the mental health of cults. But I like talking about how much people's mental health gets screwed up. <laughs> me too. It, it makes me feel like I'm a little less messed up. I agree. It's like watching Intervention. Yeah. You're, you're like, wow, man. At least I'm not doing shots at 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, my wife and I watched one of the seasons of Married at First Sight. And oh, yeah. I had to actually tell her, I was like, I can't watch another one of these <laughs> because I just can't observe this level of psychotic behavior yeah uh, like yeah. for hours yeah. and, and not like a movie or back. something this is like real people being horrible right. to each other right. and i was like nope i'm just not interested in that kind of like psychological bleed i'm not i'm not interested so now yeah. she goes over to her friend's house and watches it <laughs> and you're free <laughs> and i'm home to practice guitar and work on, on this show perfect but yeah good deal yep all right guys all right. well Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next week. Thanks folks. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Brew Luminati. Our intro and outro music is written by Dungeness. Want to learn more about the topics we cover and who we are? Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Luminati podcast for behind the scenes content and updates. Do you have mystical powers of insight or just questions, suggestions, and feedback? Reach out to us at thebrewluminati at gmail.com. Are you ready to immerse yourself into the inner circle? Visit patreon.com slash brewluminati podcast. For the same price as a cup of coffee or sandwich you won't remember, you know, because of mind control, you can join the Brewluminati and lift the veil on the true mysteries of the universe. Your membership to the Conclave unlocks access to our secret Discord server, bonus Patreon-only content, behind-the-scenes talks, and much more. Every dollar spent not only helps us reveal the truths of the world, but also frees us to make the show better, weirder, and allows us to go deeper and deeper into the void while funding our next beer run. When we're not talking conspiracies and beer, we're passionate about saving the forgotten puppies and kitties of the world. 10% of every dollar you donate goes directly to the Best Friend Pet Adoption Agency. They are a local 501c3 all-breed, all-foster cat and dog rescue that will save the life of a pet who never had a chance. Keep an eye out because we'll be posting pictures of the lives our listeners save. For more information on Best Friend Pet Adoption, head over to bfpa.org. Join us again next week for another episode of Brew Luminati. We know you will because, again, mind control is real. Mind control is real.